It's time for a legendary introduction. Welcome to Unpacking the Box. I really think nobody does it better. Join the conversation as we cover everything from life and relationships. All a woman wants is a choice. Inspiring interviews. That just hit me. Wow. And everything in between. Just keeping it real. We keeping it all the way real. Whoa. Now let's start unpacking. This is Linnea, your host. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Six, five, four, three, two, one, go. Tonight I'm here with Candace, who is a funeral director, caretaker of our recently deceased. Hello, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Yeah, so I um, I was thinking about like I'm always as a podcast. I'm always trying to figure out like what uh, guests to have on my show because I love like I love doing like informative, inspiring episodes. So I just thought like I want to find a funeral director to talk to, and I don't even know how I ended up on TikTok because I usually I don't do a lot of videos on TikTok. I just like to watch videos. I'm one of those people. I love to watch videos and comment. And um, I, I decided to put in the hashtag funeral director, which, you know, a lot came up, but I came across your videos and I just started listening to all your information and I got more and more interested. And I was like, I'm gonna reach out to her and talk to her. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you did. And that's exactly why I do them is just to get this information out and kind of let everybody know that, you know, one, we're funeral directors and we are normal people. Two, that most of the stuff you hear about us and hear about the funeral business is not true at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. I learned so much. I really did. So, we, you know, we thank you for what you do. We're grateful for what you do. So, yes. All right. So where are you from? Uh, I was actually born in Alabama but I was raised in Florida for the past, oh gosh, 40 years. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so I, I consider myself a Floridian. Okay. <laughs> yes. So tell us like, what made you want to become a funeral director? You know, I, I, my father's a funeral director. So I'm what's called a second generation funeral director. Um, I was actually raised on top of a funeral home. Have you ever seen that movie, My Girl? I have, yes. So that's that. basically my life. I was raised by a single father who is a who was a funeral director and we lived on top of the funeral home until he met my stepmom when I was like nine or 10. And mm -hmm. I avoided the funeral business so much. Um, I, it, so I went in like the opposite field. I went and became a medical assistant and, you know, my dad needed help on weekends at the funeral home. So I was still working there part-time. Um, so the medical assistant gig just didn't end up working out for me. 
and he still needed help. So I started there and just kind of was like, well, I've always believed in my life that everything comes into your life when it's supposed to. And that fell into my life when I was supposed to. I was supposed to do everything the way I needed to in order to get in the funeral business where I am now. And I'm supposed, I, I fought, fought it and fought it and fought it, but I'm supposed to be in the funeral business. Mm-hmm. So, and what was that like, like living over top of a funeral home at the time? What was that like for you? You know, <laughs> um, it was okay at times, but then there were the people, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of friends. Um, I was the weird girl who lived above the funeral home. Um, I had a few, but not many. And nobody ever came to spend the night. No one ever came to spend the night, obviously, for right. reasons. Um, <laughs> um, but it was, it was a different experience. And I grew up in the time when HIPAA and OSHA was just starting. So oh, I was okay. So I was one of those girls that actually, one of those kids that actually sat on the other embalming table while my dad embalmed. I mean, he literally, yeah, like he stuck his tie in his shirt, put one pair of thin gloves on and then just went to embalm. And then OSHA and HIPAA happened and all of that has changed. But I literally used to sit on the other embalming table while my dad was embalming. Oh, wow. And then how much, how much schooling did you, did it require for you to complete? Uh, in Florida, now it's different for each state. So if you're interested in becoming a funeral director, I definitely recommend researching what your state requires. Cause there's some states that don't even require a license to be a funeral director. Mm-hmm. But in, but in Florida, I had to go to school for two years and then I had a year I had two national board tests and they are like they're almost like you're a nursing degree people don't realize this but everything we learn in as funeral directors we have to learn about microbiology pathology i mean we have to learn about these diseases that kill people so we know how to treat them with embalming afterwards so we have these big two huge tests after two years of school then we have a year of internship and then we have a Florida laws test. So you're technically learning and adapting to the schooling for almost three years mm-hmm. before you can become a fully licensed funeral director in Florida. Wow, that's interesting. I never knew that. Wow. Most people think we literally just walk in off the street and become a funeral director. <laughs> Most people don't know that we actually have to go to school and learn. I mean, we, we mess with chemicals all the time. We, yeah. have to, we take chemistry. I mean, so. Yeah, I didn't realize how long um, you guys had to go to school for it. That was interesting to to learn. Yeah. Yeah, some some states, um, they require a bachelor's degree. So you have to go four years before you can even become a funeral director. Mm Mm-hmm. So So. now for people who don't, who still don't fully understand what your job entails as a funeral director, can you explain exactly what you do? Sure. Um, So even as a funeral director, I would actually go and pick somebody up from their place of death. Uh, I would bring them back to the funeral home. I would embalm them. Um, I would meet with the family and do all of the paperwork as well. Uh, Death certificates, 
um, doing an obituary, just getting the paperwork ready for the state. Then if there's a, um, a burial, I would contact the cemetery. I would order a vault. I would order caskets and get that all taken care of. Then I would dress, makeup, and casket the person, which is basically putting the person inside the casket. And then we would have the service, like a funeral director is required, at least in the state of Florida, if there is a body present, a person in a casket, and someone is speaking, a funeral director has to be present. So I would actually escort the body from the place of the service, then to the graveside for burial. Um, and that's pretty much what a funeral director does. Okay. I had always like just being younger and I, I can remember attending funerals and people, you know, saying that word. And, you know, until I came across like your videos, which were like super, I told you before, super, super, super informative. I always thought just being young that a funeral director literally just directed the funeral. Like they didn't actually embalm and didn't have so much hands on, you know, work that they did with the bodies and I was I just was blown away by that I was like okay because I thought there were like other people and the funeral director was just the person that was like directing things and stuff like that but it's so it's so interesting oh yes and it is so in-depth and just everything that we do behind the scenes that just to get ready for a service Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the service folders or prayer cards that you have, we may, I make those, I, other funeral homes may not, but I make those for families, um, for their service. So it really all depends on the funeral home too. Now in a corporate funeral home, they would have, you have like separate embalmers and you have separate funeral directors and you have separate pre-need people. I mean, like in a corporate, everybody has a certain job. In a smaller funeral home, the funeral director normally does it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I see. So there was something, um, there was something interesting that you were talking about in one of your videos, I remember, because I've always wondered about this. I've never been able to ask the question, but I've always wondered about it. And this was so intriguing to me. Um, for bodies that are unfortunately decapitated, someone was asking you. Or if you're able to restore in your restorative services, are you able to ever, in some cases, restore in, uh, decapitated bodies? And you had a very interesting answer. So if you want to share, like, how, you know, tell us about the restorative services that would happen there in that case. Well, um, if the person, if the family would want to see them again and there's no damage, I'm just, there's just no damage to the head at all. And it's really just a, a clean cut. I, I'm trying not to be too graphic. Um, what I would do is I would try and attach the head as best as I could to the lower portion. And then I would get like a turtleneck or a sweater that's really high necked or a, um, a scarf just to be able to hide as much as I can and make them look as normal as much as I can. Mm -hmm. um, if they are not being embalmed and not being shown, obviously everything would be put in the correct spot. So they look like a person and then we would do the cremation or place them in a casket if there's no embalming and just place them in the ground. 
Because mm-hmm. whenever I hear tragic stories like that, I always think about the family, the loved ones. Like, oh my God, like how are they, if they want to view the body, how are they going to do that? Like, it's horrible. And so I thought that that was interesting. Oh, yes. We, we have to go through wax. We have to learn how to basically form an ear out of a clump of wax, form a nose out of a clump of wax. Um, we have to almost like build a skull in one of our restorative arts classes. I mean, that is that is a huge thing here in the funeral business because you do, you have those tragic instances where families are like, oh, I haven't seen him in years. And they unfortunately passed away in a horrific car accident. And it's our job to be able to make them presentable so their family can say that one last goodbye so they can get that closure. And that's really what my job is, is really about is being able to give those families that closure so they can I wouldn't say move on with their life, but live their life. And I think that's what they need to do is that, that, you know, even though that person died, you still need to live your life because you will eventually die as well. And everybody around you will have to live their life as well. Mm-hmm. Very true. So we do, yeah. So we do the best we can with being able to give families that closure as much as we can, because sometimes all they can see is a hand or a tattoo or um or just a finger i mean i've had unfortunately i've had families where all they had was the four fingers on their right hand and they there was a tattoo on the finger and they knew it was that person so i mean because it was a fire um so it's sometimes you really have to be careful about what you can show the families and what you can't because you really don't want that tragedy and that image sitting on their head for the rest of their life because that's not my job my job is to help you find closure not to think about it for the rest of your life mm-hmm. yes definitely so what are, what are a few myths that you can um, dispel when it comes to funeral directors we do not chop off your legs if you are too tall to go in a casket Mm-hmm. That is my favorite one. Um, I get that a lot. So do you chop off our legs if we can't fit in the casket? No. What are we going to do with your legs? Well, you put them beside them. But why? I'm not a doctor. Why would I chop right. off your legs? <laughs> um, another one is sit up. So I, I kind of want to like touch on that for just a second. So back in the 60s and the 70s, Funeral directors would talk to each other and they would say the word that they would use is sit up, like that that body is set up, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I think that came from is somebody heard an old group of funeral directors talking about a body sitting up. And because that's how we that's the term that they used that the embalming was done. They were ready to be dressed. They were they were ready to be casketed, um, prepared for viewing. You know, the embalming was done, everything. And I think someone heard some old funeral directors talk about it one time and kind of ran with it from there. Like, oh, I saw a body sit up. I had a funeral director tell me that a body sat up. I'm like, no. Like we've had literally people come to our house for Thanksgiving dinner and mm-hmm. argue with us that a body set up. But I saw oh it. My I'm like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You know, they might might little twitch, but 
I can safely say in my 22 years around the funeral business, working around the funeral business, I have never seen a body twitch like that. So mm-hmm. that's me. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, how, now let's speak about embalming because some people don't know what that is either exactly. They don't fully understand that. So what is embalming that process? What is it? So we make a small incision and we insert some tubes into your arteries and your veins and we push in the fluids and push out a push in embalming fluids and push out the blood so the embalming chemicals actually replace the blood so you still have fluids in your body once that has been done um, we take what's called a trocar and we place it in the abdomen and get a, as many fluids as we can out of that. And then we place another cavity fluid inside of the abdomen um, to help preserve um, a person so their loved one can come from overseas or out of state to be able to say their goodbyes. Um, embalming just basically slows down the decomposition process in a human cadaver and that's the name for it okay now on those really tough days because i i know sometimes people you know look at people that are in this business and they 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 take away the human part of them so i know that you probably still you know have some really dark days and i actually heard you speak about one specifically where you had to pick up a baby so what i want to ask you is how do you maintain your healthy mental space with you know being around this all day and working in this business healthy <laughs> yes <laughs> you know and, and i'm gonna get probably flack for saying this but if you've been in this business long enough your mind is not healthy <laughs> and i'm totally joking i'm totally joking um i my husband is not in the business and he really helps out a lot um i have a six-year-old and i i don't talk shop at home like i literally i may come in and say man had a difficult case today but that is literally the line that I draw in my house um my husband's not in the business he's never been in the business and won't ever be in the business the only thing that he would ever really help me with is like lifting a casket or drive a car but he personally would not ever want to help me put a person in the casket you know he doesn't want to mm-hmm. touch the dead body so he is really good he is just a funny, funny guy. Um, so he makes me laugh on a regular basis. And then I have my six-year-old and then I also have my 21-year-old. So I am surrounded by men who make me laugh. And that is how I get through my day. But I don't ever bring it home. I don't ever bring my day home. Okay, well, I'm sure that helps a lot. That's good, though. I, I wanted that. I'm wondering, you know, what you do to keep you, you know, get your mind, I guess, off of your work. Because I know that can really, that can push you into like a dark place. Oh, it can. And I really, I love being able, because I, I drive, I live about 30 minutes from my office. Mm-hmm. So I I blare music. I mean, uh, the windows are down. I mean, I don't care if it's 90 degrees outside here in Florida. My windows are down. I'm driving. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. So by, by the time I get home, 
I have completely let the stress of my day go, which mm-hmm. is really amazing too. So I'm totally in love with music. Yes, I love it. And what like what kind of activities do you like to do for fun? Like when you do get a little bit of free time? Um, we go we every year we have because we're surrounded by theme parks. We actually um, get a different pass for a theme park every year. So this year we're actually doing Aquatica and SeaWorld. Uh, last year we did Legoland, um, but we go to Legoland. We hang out on the weekends. We we really go and do a lot. We do not stay still. For this past weekend, we were at a place called excuse me Fly Wheelers. Mm-hmm. Bunch huge old tractors that was just amazing to look at. They were doing tractor races and things like that. There's always something to do here in Florida because I'm like, I'm smack dab in the middle between Tampa and Orlando. So there is always something to do. Oh, nice. Okay. I love that. Yes. So what is your all-time favorite movie, book or both? Oh, um, if I had to pick movie, I would say The Princess Bride. Cause it's got everything it's got fencing it's got love it's got fighting i mean it's just that that has to be my favorite movie because that's just the movie my books you know i i don't really know if i have a favorite book i have a series i'm reading the outlander series mm-hmm. um and i also read a book called charlie a book about charlie davidson it's a series um she's a grim reaper Mm -hmm. And she comes down to Earth and tries to help Earth. So I read through that series. And that, if I had to pick a series, that's the one that actually comes to my mind that I actually got to finish and I liked. So Okay. Nice. Okay. Now, what advice would you give to someone who is listening right now and they are trying to research how to even start to become a funeral director? What would you tell them? Um, I would say it's a hard job. It does take you away from your family. Um, you have to really, I know this isn't really selling my industry because you really have to know that this is something you want to do. Uh, I would suggest maybe going to a funeral home, um, trying to get a funeral assistant job. Um, or even just someone who answers the phone so you can be around the industry and see what that particular firm is looking for. Um, I would definitely research the schooling and what you have to do to become a funeral director in that state. It really is different in every state, Um, your requirements and what you have to do. And there are some states that Again, you don't even have to be a a funeral director. You can just go start working at a funeral home. Um, But really know that this is the job or the career for you, because this is not a job. It's a career. It's a total career. It's a lifelong commitment because you really don't see your family sometimes, especially when you're getting started. You will work 60, 80 hour weeks sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you work 12 days on and four days off. It's, it, I, I hate to kind of compare it to nurse and doctors because we are on the complete opposite end, but our schedules are the same. 
our, I wouldn't say our schooling is the same, but we still have to go through the same kind of courses. Well, some of the some courses that nurses and nurses go through. So just know that this is the business you want to go in. And we're not all goth. You don't have to be goth to be a funeral director. Yes, that's great advice, though. And I love the transparency because people should know what, you know, they're getting into. Oh, yeah. I mean, my my son, my older son, he wanted to try and get in the business. But uh, I love my son. And if he hears this, he'll probably go, why did you talk about that? But he is a lazy kid. He is a lazy kid. And he doesn't, you know, he, that's just, he's 21. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to do anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and that would um, be a lot of work. Right. And it, it is a lot of yeah. work. A lot of work. Well, listen, we, you know, we, I'm telling you, we thank you for the work that you do. We're grateful because, you know, not everyone can do this job. I, I always say, I believe it takes special people to do certain jobs and jobs like this one. So you're definitely a special human being. And we thank you for taking care of our loved ones. Oh, well, thank you. And and I will say it is an honor to do it. And it is, this job is a very selfless kind of job as well, because you are, you're, you know, you're not taking care of yourself. You're taking care of other people and trying, because you only, and will in this job, you have one chance to make things right. You can't go back and do the funeral a second time because you messed up on something. So that's something you really have to think about as well, because this is it's, it's a hard job and it, but it's so rewarding and fulfilling mm-hmm. that I don't think I could ever see myself doing anything else. Yeah. That could even, that could even compare to what you're, what you're doing besides nursing or doctor or even a hospice nurse, you know, people that are in the hospice care. So Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's amazing work, and you know you, you're so inspiring. And I thank you so much for coming to talk to me. You gave some really great information. I appreciate you. Oh well, thank you so much. I I was an honor being on your on your podcast. It's it's always cool when when people ask me to be on them. Yes, definitely. Yes, you are, you know you're a great person. You give so much information. I mean, people are really. Um, learning new things every day because of you when it comes to this business and you know I I hope you know that that's so important you know it is and you're making a difference well and you know and that right there you saying that that makes me feel so much better and so because there are times where I just I want to get off TikTok and like oh the negative comments but when people like like you or other people say stuff like that it really does make me okay well maybe I can stick it out just a little bit longer and let me I'm tired just those negative comments won't hurt anymore and so I, I really do appreciate you you inviting me on here I've had a blast oh you're welcome no problem anytime now tell the people before you leave tell the people where they can you know keep up with you if they want to know some more information Oh, sure. So I have my TikTok, which is Death Becomes Her. I also have an Instagram that is mostly photos and a little bit of dark humor. And that is Death Becomes Her 2014. Um, So that's if you want to catch up. I also have a private one, but that's okay. We'll just leave it with the with the (laughs) 
<laughs> you probably end up finding me on my private ones anyway, if you, if you know. <laughs> yes, you guys connect with her. She's amazing. The work that she is doing is so amazing. She's so inspiring. I'm going to make sure I put all her links, you know, all her handles. If you guys want to keep up with her, definitely keep up with her TikTok, y'all, because I love her TikTok. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. So we are out. Wait, before you leave, keep up with your girl on Instagram at unpacking underscore the underscore box underscore podcast. Click the link over there in my bio. It will direct you to every single thing that I have going on. If you purchased my book, thank you so much. Make sure you leave your girl a review on Amazon. And if you bought anything from the Queen Wolf shop, I thank you so very much. The shop is still open. Thank you guys so much for your love and your support. I appreciate you all and love you all. Be well.